Welcome to the Chi podcast, Anna from Burnout Broccoli. Thank you for coming on. It's been a little while that we've been trying to do this, so I'm grateful to have you here. That's great to be here. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it's been a while, so I'm glad we're finally talking about this because I think this is going to be a good one where we can kind of bounce back and forth between uh, sort of our understanding of burnout and uh, talk about a lot of things. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so we actually connected through Instagram because we were both on the. It was actually quite at the early stage of both mine and uh, your kind of foray into the content marketing side of things. So it's been cool to see you grow in yourself, the consistency, and yeah, your offers coming along. So just want to acknowledge you there. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's um, you know it's a process, right? As entrepreneurs, we have to kind of learn a lot grow our capacity in a major way so yeah it's always you know awesome to have another entrepreneur acknowledge the wins absolutely and you used to be involved in research correct yeah um back in the day i was in research and innovation in the tech uh, space and uh, that's how i actually got into biohacking and all these things at one point i was working for a company that was um, developing meditation solutions using brain computer interfaces so you know brain sensing devices and things like that so i had to do research with people who were into biohacking and at, at the time i thought what a bizarre crowd they're tracking their biomarkers uh you know uh, they have these spreadsheets for how they're doing and they're trying all this stuff and they're really getting into it and um yeah but I saw that it's kind of a new trend for people who are taking ownership of their health and wellness. And um, when I went through burnout, it actually helped me recover because I found that professionals I was working with couldn't provide me with uh, a full roadmap for what's happening, where I should be going, how long it's going to take. They didn't have a lot of the answers. So I had to kind of take matters into my own hands and uh, become a biohacker myself. And uh, I don't know. I love it. It's fun. It's awesome. Um, definitely don't have the prejudice I used to have anymore about uh, tracking your wellness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, yeah, it would have been interesting. So at that point, you hadn't previously had uh, any experience with, say, like meditation or um things orientated towards health when you're in the research space until intersecting with those people? You know, it's interesting, actually. Uh, I did used to meditate. And one of the things that drew me uh, uh, towards wellness space, I guess, was the fact that um, I've been practicing Falun Gong for a number of years. And Falun Gong is a Qigong practice, practice mm. you know, that cultivates your energy. But it's uh, different from uh, other practices in the sense that you also have the principles that you follow, truthfulness, compassion, and tolerance. So I was used to kind of doing the inner work to cultivate my uh, character, to become a better person and doing those exercises. So when I started learning about uh, meditation in general from a more scientific perspective, uh, I found it interesting to find validation coming from academia for some of the stuff I already felt was working, but we didn't necessarily have a scientific explanation for. Um, so more and more studies are coming out explaining how mindfulness works, how it affects your 
uh, vitals, um, how it's changing your mind, helping your brain uh, change, all that good stuff. It was really cool to learn about that because back then, I think there was still quite a bit of prejudice against mindfulness uh, practices and meditation. And I know at the time when I was talking to people about uh, doing uh, research in the meditation space, some of my tech friends uh, were straight up kind of laughing. Meditation, <laughs> sort of, that's, you know, weird and nerdy. <laughs> mm. Well, lo and behold, we've been through a tough number of years. Things have really changed um in the last while and a lot of the same people that were laughing are now trying meditation themselves right so <laughs> has that yeah. been your experience yeah uh so i started meditating through probably more of um spiritual practice and i it took a while to because i was doing it because you know i felt like it was the spiritual way and you know guided meditations and it would usually give me like a deep sense of relaxation but it really wasn't until i went through um the power of now with eckhart toll and you know deeply probably because i was suffering from a lot of uh, egoic structures dominating the mind and my mind being so highly active taking up a lot of energy and then when i started meditating properly and finding inner stillness that I was like, ah, like I really found, felt like I found meditation and that deep inner peace and tranquility when you can access your inner being. And I could kind of feel that difference of the awareness moving from the outer of my being into the inner and how much of a sense of stillness and peace that brought to my life. And also how I could start to detect the difference between the awareness being on the outside and when you're more in your mind and reactive and operating from uh say sympathetic nervous system and you're being more stressed versus when i would meditate and go within more parasympathetic and that would be connected to my more true self and i could actually have that yeah deep state of being that would allow me to act how i wanted to in the moment rather than the conditioned patterns that can happen when you operate from the mind and so once i had that real contrast i was like okay now i really can like embrace this um so in the beginning i was probably just doing it because i was thinking i was meant to on the spiritual path but later um really saw the benefit so in terms of um how i was seeing different people um react to meditation i guess uh for the last eight years being on that spiritual path, I've seen people meditating to different degrees, but I can definitely see, uh, like you said, from the last few years, the and the progressive progressions in scientific discoveries, that meditation is being more highly valued. And especially like, you know, for a mindfulness thing, um, although I feel like that doesn't quite cover the depth that meditation can offer, but it's definitely a good start because, you know, the general population kind of want to see things that are scientifically proven oh, okay yep this is like aligned with psychology for example and um people can um yeah like feel like there's a bit more validity to doing something like that without it being too woo woo which is you know in my opinion very ironic because uh for me i always tended to kind of rely on um in my heart feeling when something just resonates right mm. um 
And I find nowadays in the modern world, we've sort of shifted away from that trust in that, you know, inner voice of the heart so much that we have to rely on these external tools to validate things external, you know, uh, people, um, structures of knowledge. And uh, when it comes to burnout, burnout is actually a disconnect from self. It's a kind mm -hmm. of, you know, numbness that you go into after a series of um, events happen in your life and you sort of dissociate after you harden your heart in many ways after you disconnect from your natural intuition uh, after you know you've adopted all these habits across your lifetime that eventually lead to living this inauthentic life and disconnecting from your needs from your values and so it's so funny right when we look at uh, how many people are burnt out nowadays and i can't help but correlate it with the fact that we have outsourced uh, these ways of trusting so much um, outside of ourselves that you know we're suffering from this disconnect from the true selves so what you said about meditation and what it did for you in terms of discovering a more authentic self the real you that's so beautiful because i genuinely hope that more people can discover that for themselves and the process of recovery is precisely that mm. getting back to your whole self the real self letting go of these masks you know like the fake faces that we put on to fit in in the life and world uh, getting rid of needing someone else to validate uh, what feels right or tell you what to do or how to live your life. And we need a lot more of that because I feel like we've all been outsourcing important things for way too long. <laughs> yeah. So many good points that you hit on there. Yeah, especially like not uh, like to be led by your inner knowing in your heart, what resonates. Like I think that's something that's definitely um, needing to be honed in on by many people because yeah there has been a trend in the past where people want to have like concrete evidence of something um written in the literature but you know and that's where kind of the biohacking can be interesting because biohacking is at the forefront of that where sometimes they're using anecdotal um evidence and then doing testing on it themselves because if you did wait for say like things in the longevity space to be confirmed as safe with like meta studies, et cetera, that's going to be 20 years down the track. And if you're 40 now, when you're 60 trying to implement those things, it may be a case of catch up. On the other hand, if you do engage in some things that don't have the proven safety record, you are also kind of rolling the dice where it may or may not add to your longevity. You could potentially enhance it or you may actually, you know, run into some uh, issues where you have to navigate that. But I guess if you can, you know, go with things like, say, resveratrol or something like that, mind you, that's probably got pretty good scientific studies at this point. But, yeah, I guess there's different risk profiles within the bio biohacking space, isn't there? Absolutely. I mean, just like with anything. And, you know... Um... Who was it? Uh, the father of medicine that said it's uh, the dose that makes uh, uh, the poison or the medicine. Yeah. So I absolutely discovered that there is such a principle when it comes to any kind of intervention and stress in general. It's not all good or all bad, but um, 
good things can become bad for you in large amounts yeah. or insufficient amounts. And Just like water. Go, yeah, precisely, right? Or minerals and things like that. Okay, maybe you're low on copper or something, but if you're getting too much of that, suddenly, you know, you're depleting other things. Exactly. Everything in balance, everything in moderation. So like for me, for example, when I look at some of the really out there biohacks, um, I always try to apply this principle first to kind of um, see if I can check stuff against my inner system of uh, what I know and the principles that make sense. So like how balanced is this solution? Is this kind of like pushing things a little bit outside of the scope of things? And what's funny in the biohacking space right now is we have some of the cutting edge science, which, you know, the general public uh, is not aware of yet, uh, but it's actually not necessarily new stuff. It's just scientific validation of ancient stuff that always worked. So I think you'll really relate to that because uh, you're in a space where you understand the flow of energy, chi, and all that stuff. This is not new stuff, but now scientists are starting to find evidence of how this works and what it does, right? So like we have findings from quantum biology about the way sun is powering basically our in internal clock, uh, all the biochemical processes in the body. Well, guess what? For thousands of years, our ancestors used to know about that, understand it, and they used to use it in medicine. So like in Chinese traditional medicine, we know there is a clock for different organs for when you should be sleeping versus doing things, right? Yeah. That's... yeah and now we're starting to find more evidence of that, right? And biohackers are kind of at the forefront of, um, I guess, bringing awareness of that but also popularizing it because the academia the institutions are gonna take a while to catch up with this uh you know it's like between 20 to i don't know 300 years before an idea catches on right mm. like they only figured out how to treat scurvy um well they figured it out but it only became established and popularized within like a 500 year span so the question is, like you said, do we want to wait till we're old or do we want to try some stuff that makes sense, like getting more sunlight and uh, more antioxidants and all that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think um, that's a key point within biohacking because some people, you know, and even in like a, you know, kind of benign biohacking way, like say in the fitness space, taking supplements and people just like try and outwork, a, you know, the basics of diet. Um, sleep, nutrition, um, recovery, and try and take supplements. But in every case, you're going to be better off focusing on those kind of um, key elements of sunlight, nutrition, sleep, exercise or movement, recovery, and get those dialed in and then add the biohacks on top of that. Because I guess to me, it's key when you can try and live you know, in alignment with the elements, etc. Although our current lifestyle is often taking us away from optimal living with electromagnetic fields and work schedules that have us out of the sunlight and not moving as much. And what is seeming to happen as well is the environmental impact. You can be doing all of those key things 
that would be contributing to optimal health, but for some of us through uh, either genetics or environmental factors may have something else going on that's actually not allowing us to be our optimal self, which is where biohacking comes in. Once you've done those basics, go, okay, like, let's get some testing done here. Let's look at hormones, nutrients, bloods, etc., different biomarkers, and let's see if there's anything that can be improved upon here. And even beyond that, I guess you can do a little bit of testing with different things and get your subjective feel to what feels better. But again, that comes back to really having a high sense of self-awareness in your own body and what feels right. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And, um, you know, people sometimes think of biohacking. I, I don't know, we're talking about biohacking a lot, but that's cool. <laughs> you know, I guess mm -hmm. this is where the conversation went. Um, yeah, biohacking to me is not just supplements. It's not just tracking, but ultimately being uh, your own scientist, right? So mm -hmm. any intervention that you try, you see how your body subjectively responds to so um, it doesn't have to be anything super nerdy or really out there, but um, it's even simple stuff like you've done a couple of push-ups and uh, you're seeing how your blood pressure changes or things like that. And I think it's really important nowadays for people to start taking more ownership of their own health because mm -hmm. our healthcare system is no longer able to cope with the, you know, just like from the economic standpoint and just like the volume of issues, especially in terms of mental health, it's overwhelmed. So people need new solutions. So they need to start kind of taking onus of tracking their own health and becoming their own scientist. That's where I think this biohacking approach is really powerful. So uh, this is something that I'm trying to share with people and teach people how to do so they don't have to rely on some outsourced knowledge as much especially because right like I, yeah probably the situation is similar where you're at right in terms of the healthcare system 100 percent. yeah it's uh, very much a reactive system and it's interesting because healthcare is more like disease care uh in all honesty because when i've gone to the doctor with my own personal um health concerns and I could feel that my health was declining on the blood test nothing was showing up out of range and really it was kind of a case of let's wait until it gets bad enough that something's reflected in the biomarkers and then we can act on it perhaps through a medication or some intervention and um, what my sentiment was I want to optimize my health now so I don't have to get to this point where it's harder to recover I want to catch it now as I've recognized the decline and stop myself getting to that level of suffering so that really caused me to take my health into my own hands and I did eventually end up getting to quite a point where clinically like I was going through chronic fatigue symptoms but despite all um, a matter of blood tests I was still not finding any smoking gun and yeah, that caused me to really hone in on um, all the key things of meditation to not overuse the mind, to limit my amount of energy output, to focus on diet, nutrition, optimize sleep, all gamut of things. And in the end, it was probably a combination of um, mercury toxicity from amalgam fillings and sleep apnea 
that was causing some health concerns there. But it kind of worked out to my favor because those two things weren't found out until probably like eight years of declining health. And as a consequence, I tried every other thing before them. And so it's really given me like nothing motivates you like something strong in your own experience to do research. Like if you're like, wow, I'm, I can feel my blood sugar's high. I'm going to go deep into the rabbit hole of like what are all the nuances of affecting blood sugar. And I guess because I've had so many years of, you know, I could feel my health lowering. I've looked at many aspects of health. So I'm kind of grateful for the journey for that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. Um, that's, you know, that's what I got to share with people to the journey, right? The things we've discovered in the process, because for me, likewise, I was uh, deeply motivated to resolve my issue. And so I found that I had to do a lot of research. And ultimately, as a researcher, of course, I looked at the body of knowledge that's there and I realized that our understanding of burnout is outdated because a lot of the research is uh, from the time period when burnout was studied as a workplace phenomenon. Mm. So, you know, it's, uh, it's very much thought of as a thing that happens at work because of work which is just not true because people have always burnt out. They have always depleted their energy in various ways. The best example is parental burnout. Mm. And there are people in every walk of life that burn out. And I do have... Oh, mm -hmm. sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, I do have a, yeah, a bit of a theory on burnout. And I guess it comes back to, you know, we're all familiar with like, you know, filling your own cup and that kind of metaphor that I guess is about doing activities that are soul nourishing and it seems like when the amount of effort you're outputting starts to go into like your inner energy reserves and then they go from you know like let's say you're in a path that's aligned with who you want to be your values you're getting a sense of fulfillment from the thing you're doing that's meaningful and feeling like purpose and that generally like fills your cup so that can allow you to continue putting out a lot of energy out to do that because you're getting some back. But let's say you're doing something that's not really aligned with you and you're just working like maybe a nine to five job that you're really not inspired by and you're putting a lot of effort into that. That effort is what starts to really um, drain your energy and that can go down to differing layers. And it seems like once your cup gets to like a critical level, like a phone battery that's on red, that's when we first start to experience the symptoms of burnout. And the further we let that go down, the more the pronounced the burnout symptoms will be. Mm -hmm. And then, yep. then it really requires the focus on oneself and what one needs to fill their cup again. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as you pointed out, uh, we usually don't notice how that cup fills up. And so what happens is we hyper-focus on a specific cup, which may be work, mm. which is actually a symptom of trying to avoid dealing with other things in life. So there is a bunch of these cups in our life. And um, I like to think of burnout as a habit uh, rather than a condition. You have a series of habits you build up over your lifetime that lead to burnout so it may look like it's your job that sucks but at the end of the day um you know i really like victor frankl's story because he talked about uh, finding meaning 
even in such harsh conditions as a, a concentration camp and just going doing labor and being able to find meaning in something really small in this harsh environment in this difficult environment make it your purpose mm -hmm. you can find purpose in anything i know that in the past when i've worked uh you know labor jobs for example something that's really physical really simple and repetitive i would certainly use this trick to find meaning and purpose in what i was doing so at the end of the day uh, you know, you can make any work meaningful, but how you feel about it um, changes depending on how you choose to feel about it. So you can absolutely burn out at a, you know, at a boring job, or you can burn out at a great job. In uh, my experience, I burnt out at my favorite job. <laughs> so, you know, there was no shortage of motivation and purpose there. Yeah, true. But, yeah, interesting. Right? Right. I, I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that because some get bored, others don't. Um, there is there is a lot of other things that are going on as well, like avoiding dealing with stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And to your point, sometimes if you are only trying to do the things you want to do, then eventually you can start to get to the point where you don't want to do anything. And yeah, I've uh, been there. But to your point as well about finding purpose in things that may not be aligned. I did that recently this year. I was uh, working in a job that was, I was doing it for the money and money's not like one of my highest motivators. So what I found when I was there was I could see how it was benefiting me from a self-growth aspect in healing some, un, some wounded masculine aspects within me and that additional sense of, um, self-growth gave me a lot of meaning and purpose to that that actually helped me stay in it and centered a lot longer so yeah i think that's a really good takeaway to find meaning and purpose in whatever you're doing and i guess sometimes if you i think eckhart toll has it in one of his books like if you do something and you just try and do it to the best quality the best of your ability then that becomes the your task, your meaning in that moment. So, yeah, that's a good point to highlight. For sure, for sure. And, uh, you know, like we seek meaning and purpose in things to be able to find the motivation to do the things we want to do. And so likewise, we also need to look at what we're trying to avoid. So another thing that leads to burnout, it's, it's a complex thing. There's a lot that contributes to burnout. Um, avoiding stuff leads to burnout so if most of our life we've been avoiding our purpose that will also burn you out mm -hmm. so what do i mean by that let's say um in the past um, um perhaps i've worked for other people but let's say my purpose has been to kind of help other people by becoming an entrepreneur and having my own company if in the past i never had uh, the energy to do it and I was scared of taking on a bigger challenge and such a massive responsibility, then avoiding that can also create um, a lot of um, hardship in a person's life because subconsciously they know that, you know, there's a path for them out there. Something is telling them that this may be the thing for them to do, but their thinking mind is going, this is too difficult, not gonna take this on. So you're not living up to your potential. Mm. Because talking to a lot of people, 
I truly believe that everyone knows deep down inside that they have a certain amount of potential. Sometimes we don't know what that looks like, but we all know it. So if you don't live up to your potential, that will burn you out when you're avoiding doing the things you were meant to do in this life. And you're looking for, let's say, easier ways or more convenient ways. And same goes for dealing with various uh, psychological things, right? Like avoiding dealing with conflict. If you're meant to learn to communicate in an open manner with people to heal your relationships, and you're just running away from that, never learning how to do it, that's also going to burn you out because you are spending so much energy trying to hold on to this, you know, fear of getting into direct sort of working out of things. Uh, so that charge in your system is just going to drain energy and lead to burnout as well. So that's another thing. That makes sense. So that's kind of what you're talking about with burnout not being a condition, but rather being the habits, the habit of avoiding conflict and then the energy that these habits consume is what can lead to that. And it's like a series of many different habits that are all very energy uh, consuming Precisely. That lead to it. Yeah. And some of them are really obvious, like always uh, going to bed at different times, um, yeah. staying up late, right? <laughs> <laughs> things like that. Liking to sit down all the time or watching TV while eating, which messes with your digestion because now your nervous system is tuned into the stimuli on the screen and you're not mindful of what you're doing. So, yeah, so, so many different habits. Um, that we acquire for how we see the world. Another big one is a habit of seeing yourself as um, a passive uh, receiver of events in life, uh, what they sometimes call a victim mindset. Mm. And we all have it to a certain extent. And it took me years to work through it. And, you know, it's an ongoing process. But the more you live up to your potential and your purpose, the less you feel like things are happening to you and the more you start feeling like they're happening for you, you're mm. starting to feel more agency in life and you're starting to kind of hear life more and realizing that none of this is just accidental. All of these things are happening to help me in some way. But of course, depending on my mind state, where I'm at, uh, I might get upset and think that uh, people are being really crappy to me or life is super unfair. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, healing is a process of becoming more whole and more confident in the fact that life has your back and things that are happening, um, in fact, could be beneficial if you choose to notice that, if you have the courage to notice that. Love everything you just said then. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely agree with it totally. It's definitely been my experience that it seems to be a rite of passage, you know, as we go through a lot of um, dense experience in the beginning of life and we can see life happening to us that we're that passive victim that is um, being taken from experience to experience. And then as you recognise that, that's not how you want your life to be. And I guess it starts with claiming ownership for you are responsible through your choices for where you are, that you can then 
and you obviously like early on some things are out of your control and then that requires acceptance but typically from adulthood onwards you have the ability to choose the life or how you want life to look for you and then yeah as you start to follow what your heart wants it often requires you to break free from a lot of um, societal or parental structures and trajectory to then choose what you really want and as you get more on that path towards what your heart's calling that's when it seems to attract those experiences like you spoke of that are happening for you and then there even seems to be a point where there's you can be going with the flow and it can be beneficial getting experiences coming to you that um, are benefiting you but then there's also a point where it's worthwhile using um your own agency to create the life you want to and not just go with the flow yeah it's kind of an interesting balance eh? so how do you navigate that yeah i've definitely um gone with the flow for a lot of things and that's taken me to many deep experiences that have been profound and beneficial um but then at some point i found that cycles were repeating so i was like okay Going with the flow and following the heart takes you to a certain point, but now I need to use some effort and actually start to break through to the next level to start to create the life that I want. So I'm still doing that at the moment, I must admit. Um, but yeah, it's been basically through escaping. Uh, I'm halfway between like paid work and um, purpose work where I've, optimize my life to have a job that I can be very high paying and I can go into whenever I want and then I'll earn some money from that and then I'll devote three to six months to do the purpose work and I've done that three times in the last three years since I set that intention and each time I get a little bit closer to breaking through and creating the life I want and it seems like the key to me is changing who I am so creating, you know, be behaving the way that I would need to to be the self and wealth generating version of myself. So a nice morning routine, not using social media, not laying in bed, not sleeping in, um, still giving myself, you know, the sleep that I need, which starts the night before with a healthy evening routine, meditation, winding the body down, clearing the nervous system, clearing the mind, entering stillness, uh, maybe a little bit of biohacking with uh, zinc and magnesium if the body needs it, and then using blackout curtains and going into a deep sleep, and then using the day productively, getting some exercise in through weights and sauna, maybe a bit of uh, ice bath, then going into meditation, building some momentum for the day, building that into dollar productive activities with my business, then perhaps a podcast, a bit of creative purpose things in the evening, social activities, and yeah, just having a bit of a balanced day. And so the more that I can act in that way, the more that that life I want to create is happening. And I guess that's the process of it for me. That's pretty cool. Love your routine. That's that's all really good, awesome stuff. 
you know what's interesting though uh the flow has a structure to it too right so the more i learn about the cycles and rhythms that we have from like micro to macro because our cells have a cycle right organs um like internal clock uh for so everything rhythm and then mm -hmm. and all of that in nature too right yeah. we have a day a month a year there is a solar cycles, lunar cycles, all of that good stuff. The more I realize there is a structure to these, right? So it's uh, dependable, it's constant, and it cycles through. Um, it keeps going. You know, nothing has changed for thousands of years. And so I think the flow, I'm almost getting a new understanding of flow here, which is its structure uh, right? It's dependable structure, but not in the way that we kind of used to understand it, but in a way where you go through abs and flows, but in a consistent structured way. So um, a lot of people that burn out, uh, they have this mindset which uh, contributes to them burning out. Again, a habit of living in the kind of chaotic state where you just sort of attend to whatever comes into your uh, line of vision uh, pops into your head uh, go for that sort of this urgency culture and just mm -hmm. going with what you're asked immediately and so that's burning people out because they are having this chaotic um, state of just do this do that and it doesn't help in work or business either and even though that feels like going with the flow I realized it's not because the flow is the state of yeah, there is change, but it's structured, right? We go through these patterns. So what I help people do is to get into a mindset where they stop feeling uh, like structure is something annoying or boring or lame or constricting uh, and start thinking about it as something that's going to liberate their energy, time and creativity. And so when we talk about flow, um, I think you're helping me realize that my understanding of flow changed a lot too. And mm -hmm. it's kind of looking for that middle point of just listening to yourself, going with it, but having the structure and understanding that you are not going to be 100% every hour of the day, every day of the week. And that's okay, because neither is anything else in our alive, you know, natural world. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I really like what you just said there about flow having a structure and also um, the point that you were saying about that culture of just doing what comes up in our sphere. And I think perhaps a really micro example and maybe even a metric of way to tell where someone's at with that is if you got them to go into their phone and send a message on a social media app, how much do they get caught up in the scroll and uh, other notifications. And, you know, I guess the more ability, the better someone is able to go in and execute on their intention versus someone that goes in to do one thing and then gets caught up in a five, 10, 15 minute use of that technology is probably a reflection of how much they have that tendency to do whatever comes in their sphere. It, That's a cool one. It seems like um, early on, let's say when we're leaving our comfort zone, it's really beneficial to say yes to every opportunity. But, and you know, maybe you found that when even starting on the coaching, um, you know, helping other space, 
but then at some point you can't say yes to everything and you have to start to say no and maybe that's like yeah another thing that can definitely contribute to burnout if you aren't being focused on what you need or what you want to do to move you towards where you want to be yeah 100 percent um focus is energy directed at something specific and our biggest problem in society today is uh being able to collect our energy and direct it at something everyone's mm. attention is just bouncing back and forth it's really difficult for people to focus i can see this because things have changed over the years i've noticed how people's mind and attention has started to wander a lot more so when i have conversations with people i guess through the benefit of consistent uh, meditation practice um, i'm able to control my attention uh, where i'm noticing these things in other people right because i have that awareness and so i see that people are just less present they're bouncing more between things. They're not able to focus on like the, the the thing you're saying. So their attention is going back and forth between things. And of course, technology has contributed to that a lot. So, so. yeah, yeah. What you said about the phone is uh, that's a really good test. Uh, if you're going to get on your phone, yeah, just see to which extent you're in control of that energy and how it's being directed. That's self-regulation, super important uh, for success in anything. 100%. Yeah, I've actually set myself um, kind of guidelines, rules before for productivity. And what I've done is limited my technology use um, to about half an hour at, say, 10.30 and then at 2.30. So I have my phone on Do Not Disturb and maybe on a focus mode that limits the apps just to stop any neural pathway habits to you know wanting to go in there and then i'll allow myself yeah half an hour to respond to messages but each time i go in i'll go in with a mantra get in get out like i'm do whenever i use the technology it's with a purpose okay i'm checking a message i'm responding to it and now i'm not using it and that definitely seemed to be the more i was in a disciplined state of mind the more i was able to do that and it was interesting to see when i would have say a cold shower that would increase my ability to do that and i realized that whenever you do an activity that creates a single pointed focusness of the mind for example a cold shower that causes you to focus on your breath a single point that seems to bring all that scattered energy and focus out and into a directed laser beam like focus that can really allow you to wield your attention and focus in a more direct manner. So mm -hmm. that was quite interesting to see. That's really cool. Very cool observation. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we have a bit of a an energy crisis and I'm not talking about Europeans who right now are suffering, you know, yeah. <laughs> the cold winter. No, energy crisis, actually a pervasive energy crisis when it comes to humans, uh, no longer being in control of their energy, focus and attention and not being able to direct it, which really sucks because we need the next generation of people that are going to be doing good things in the world. And um, one of the things I'm trying to do with uh, Bernard Broccoli Club is actually helping people start develop this awareness 
of themselves, their attention, how to regain control over it. Uh, because I think that's going to be a major future asset in our world. And um, I would like to see more people uh, be able to control their attention so they can put it to good use, whether it's entrepreneurship or you know supporting their community. I think people need to start taking responsibility and ownership, not just for their health, but everything else in the world, right? Yeah, so absolutely. And how yeah. are we going to do that if we're constantly distracted, if we can't execute on the things we dream of, right? You can have a vision board, but hello, you need to put energy behind executing on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Execution is something that's really neglected quite often. Um, in many spaces and it's really key because you, anyone can have an idea and a vision but to actually make it a reality requires action and execution so I think that's such a yeah really pivotal thing that you touch on being able to help people bring their energy back in and focus it because you're right that's definitely something that's um, almost feeling like it's by design as years go on to take it away from us. And it does have a benefit though, because you know, the more opportunities for distraction that we have, the more empowering it is when you overcome them, because you know that it's not easy. So when you do have that agency over yourself, it creates a deeper sense of empowerment than you would have otherwise got, I suppose. Mm -hmm. That's our only option realistically, right? Because we've created this world of, uh, overstimulation, information overload, abundance, where we have instant gratification, instant everything. I mean, it's still a little bit shocking to me that you can order anything on Amazon and get it the next day. Mm. Like, we live in a pretty cool, crazy world. But guess what? We've created an environment which is also, on the other hand, destroying our motivation, attention, uh, happiness because you know with instant gratification comes uh, that sort of feeling of blah and nothing being good enough so we have no choice but to learn to set boundaries with that because if we don't then yeah I just don't think we're gonna survive as a species <laughs> no definitely there's a really good um, thought that that just created that it's interesting to see how over you know, the hundreds of years, the lag between like what we want and getting it is started to shorten. And I guess from an energetic movement point of view, you could almost say that the vibration is speeding up in a sense, you know, and like you said, that creates a lot of opportunity, almost infinite possibilities, but that can be a double-edged sword that we could start a business today and be making money this afternoon, but we can also be entertained, you know, in that same breath and go into distraction. So I like to look at things, not to get too dualistic, but you know, what's easy and what's right. And it does seem like in each moment we have a bit of a binary choice that's moving towards who we want to be and towards, I guess, what's easy to do, you know, the path of least resistance, what maybe, um, our lower self might be our impulsive self might drive us to do in a moment we could have the burger the candy or we could eat you know a healthy veggie salad meal 
And usually the path that's right requires inner knowing of oneself, discipline, all of, you know, the things that cultivate a well-rounded self and then falling into that path of, and I guess what it is, is short-term gratification versus long-term contentment, going into debt now to have the thing right now, working to save it up and having a sense of contentment that you earn that thing without going through that short-term gratification process. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I guess that's being more pronounced now than ever. I think so. And uh, I keep looking at the, you know, uh, yin-yang symbol uh, behind you in the background. Mm. And it just keeps coming up for me in our conversation, right? The sort of two sides. You put it so well. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to start using that. Um, yeah, what, for sure. What, what's, what, you know, what you want and what's right. Like, this is such an amazing way to put it. I think effectively that's where it's at. Uh, that's the crux of um, wellness and, you know, burnout recovery and preventing burnout from happening. Getting better at choosing what's right versus what you want. Um, mm. And of course, you know, we can't be machines that are super, you know, we just like choose the right thing all the time. No, that's right. Like but... I actually um, made a little infographic. I called it mm -hmm. the um, choice matrix. So it's basically like you've got a choice in a moment here, what's easy, what's right. But then that leads to another one and another one. So you end up having like this um, matrix of choices and I guess depending on how ingrained the pattern was in the past is how many sequential choices you could make in a row. Let's pretend you're someone that eats um, fast food every meal and you're trying to optimize your health and you want what you want to do is eat you know whole foods um, that you've made for yourself for every meal. If you've never done that before, the likelihood of doing five choices in a row is pretty low. You're more likely to do one back to there, one back to there. And like, you're probably going to do 20% of choices. And I guess it's about being realistic at that point, but let's pretend you have been having fast food once every 10 meals, your ability to make the sequential choices of eating whole foods could quite likely be five out of five at that point. And the interesting thing is, let's say you make five out of five choices. You could get there in four weeks. Let's say you make only three out of five choices. And so you go off and now your timeline's out here. You'll still get to where you want to be, except this was four weeks and now this is six weeks. So you can still get to where you want to be. It's just more choices away from your ideal, extend the time horizon to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So essentially we pay for things we want to obtain with either time or, you know, something else. And of course we've built this habit. So, you know, it's up to us to undo it now. And I love how you've uh, made it really visual and easy for people to understand kind of like that equation of uh, depending how, how bad the habit is, it might take more choices and mm. a longer time horizon to work it out. But optimization can happen at each and any level, which is absolutely true. So the cool thing is when we go through the healing process, we kind of go from just having terrible habits in all different areas of our life. So there can be made these uh, immediate optimizations that are super obvious, like let's say um, 
uh, making sure you have breakfast in the morning, right? That's really straightforward, but a lot of people don't do it and they totally screw up their hormones and that, you know, daily energy cycle because of it. And then as you become better at this stuff, your optimizations become different. They're like more fine-tuned, right? So maybe like you're working on diaphragmatic breathing and you're really getting into noticing, developing an awareness of tension in different uh, internal core muscles and things like that. So yeah, in, at any stage of the process, you can introduce more optimizations to basically become a more energized person. And I was curious, so you, you started talking about a little bit about this um, process and kind of like how long it's going to take. Uh, so a lot of people out there are trapped in this mode of thinking, which leads to burnout, which is, I got to go fast to keep up with others. So I'd be curious to explore that together. And, uh, you know, uh, in your life experience, have you discovered how going slower can actually make you more efficient? Mm. Um, going slower just compared to others or like uh, just finding, I guess, let me, I'll answer it my own way first. Um, so I guess the way that I've been looking at this lately is what success requires, what I can do sustainably and what's like the minimum I can do and trying to, let's say it was to um, do something really tangible like lose weight, I need to drop my calories by this and I need to do this amount of energy output exercise, but maybe my health's not at the point where I can do that. And so I'm going to just focus on what I can do and what's sustainable for me and what makes me feel good. And maybe it's going to take a bit lower, but the consistency that, because for me, that's going to create a consistent approach versus if I tried to do a crash diet right now, I might lose a few kilos this week, but then... I'm not going to be able to sustain. So after three weeks, I've crashed. I can't continue. I've burnt out. And now I'm going to go back to what's comfortable. And I might put on those um, that weight again. And if I keep going, crash back. And I'm probably just going to stay where I originally started or even higher because of hormones, et cetera, that I would have suppressed during it. Versus if I go that consistent approach, it might not be as aggressive in the beginning but because I'm making consistent progress, then that's actually going to get me in six months time much closer to where I want to be than if I just tried to do it aggressively and fell off and kept trying. Yeah, so, yeah that's beautiful. That's beautiful because you touched on consistency. That's the thing. It's like this absolute magic ingredient that most of us have not experienced in life. It's so hard won, so hard to obtain. So 
like I, I know for myself and a lot of people out there, because we have not experienced consistency, we try to just go for that, you know, beeline for immediate result, biggest impact. And that's where what you described starts happening, right? You crash and then you have to go all the way back up and then you crash again because consistency is really difficult. It requires a lot of patience and it feels like progress is small and it's going to take a while. Um, and I think this is where this notion of slowing down comes from. Basically, you have to do things at your pace, but keep doing them consistently. So it feels super slow, but in fact, it's building up bigger momentum and bigger compounding interest and payoff over time. And so when you started talking about how you've structured your life in terms of, okay, you realized uh, it's going to take you a certain amount of time to get to where you want to get. So you now have a source of income where, you know, you have these cycles. I'm working for this much, then I can invest in my passion project uh, for this amount of time. And you kind of have this cycle, right? You're building stuff up. Okay, yeah, it didn't all happen. You didn't go hard for one month and just like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're building up to things. Um, I think that's wonderful. Um, that's one of the ways I think we can repair our own health and just a lot of things in life if we become more patient with ourselves and others. I must admit, though, yeah, even with the way I've created my life, it's still a little bit of that. I am a very all or nothing person and consistency I've realized is what success requires. So I've been consistent in the sense of being all or nothing, but I have recognized there's, it's definitely coming to a point where I think, so I've been doing like a FIFO work. I'm not sure if you have that there in Europe, like a mining equivalent, like um, where people work remotely for blocks of time and then, it's usually like quite high paying and also high hours, like 80 hours a week or so. And let's say you do that for, like you could do that for probably uh, three months. And then if I were to live in Thailand, I could have an easy six to nine months of living there for that. So like from a trading time perspective, three months and then nine months to work on the passion project seemed to make sense to me. Because, but now I'm getting to a point where I also recognize it may be better to focus on, say, doing a job that's 20 hours a week that allows me to put 20 hours into the purpose work, be consistent, and then let that grow from there. Because what tends to happen with the way I've done it is so I'll work flat out and there's no progress on business for several months. And then there takes a bit of time after to get, you know, back to a state of being after having been completely in doing. And then it will take a bit just to get off. And just as I'm like starting to get to that key point where consistency would turn into compounding results, I need to go back to work. And so each time I've done it, I've got a little bit higher. Um, but yeah, I do recognize that consistency what seems to provide the most results not just trying to push sprint harder yeah no totally it's it's a difficult uh, thing to obtain but it's absolutely key and i think in the past people used to value that trait more right when i think about uh, the you know previous generations 
people were more about that, but everything is very different now, much more fast paced. People change jobs all the time. People expect mm -hmm. quick results. Technology has contributed to that a lot because we can create kind of this instant uh, feedback loop of things. So it feels like things can happen more quickly including creating a product or even starting a business. So I want to put it out there for any people who are uh, becoming entrepreneurs or just getting into doing something, um, because it may seem like things can happen really quickly uh, because that's the dream that's being sold online. Uh, but in fact, everything takes time to build up quite a bit of time, probably a lot more time than you think or expect. So mm -hmm. <laughs> No Absolutely. need to get disappointed. Just gotta keep going. And I guess what you touched on there really just ties back into that short-term gratification versus long-term contentment. And long-term contentment definitely comes from uh, consistency in things. So what would you say would be, uh, if someone was suffering burnout right now, what would be a few, what would you advise them? What would you suggest they could do to improve their state? Uh, I would say depending on uh, the stage of burnout you're in. So uh, let's say usually when people become aware of their burnout, it's in that severe stage of they're in the process of crashing already. Uh, it takes a few years to get to that point, but uh, people usually don't notice something is happening. So when you're in the process of going through this crash already, that's kind of when you notice. And at that point, you need sort of really immediate, almost drastic interventions. So you want to do things like reduce your workload, uh, figure out some kind of arrangement for either working less or working part-time, or maybe taking a sabbatical or some time off. And here's an important thing. A lot of people will keep putting off that decision because they just gonna see how much longer I can go. There is that tendency to keep pushing yourself. <laughs> well, don't wait, trust me, it's only gonna get worse. Mm -hmm. So you know, put the brakes on it immediately. Once you do that, uh, you need to start changing uh, things in your life. So I like to do a quick assessment with people to understand which habits <clears throat> are really prominent in terms of uh, draining their energy. So one of the common ones would be people pleasing a habit of uh, putting your needs last, avoiding voicing your concerns, um, not expressing uh, discontent with something and just doing stuff when people ask you to do stuff regardless of how you feel about it because you're worried about disappointing others. So right there, that's the first thing that's common for a lot of burnoutees and you want to put some brakes on that and learn how to say no to things because uh, the world won't end, nothing will catch on fire if you just tell your friends that, you know what, I don't have the energy to hang out this weekend, maybe we can postpone, or tell your boss that, you know, I'm really overloaded, I don't feel like I'll be able to take on this other thing. And don't let the fear in the back of your head uh, convince you otherwise, because it's basically between, it's now between your survival right? And this perceived danger of uh, <laughs> displeasing others. What's interesting there is if you don't say no at those points, what would have been a weekend or a day of work, a week of work missed, you keep going. Later on, 
It's not having the energy at all for sustain that friendship. It's not being able to work. So that little no now becomes a big problem later where you would have missed a small amount and then you miss a massive amount. And yeah, that's a hard way to come to the realization that I should have prioritized my needs early on because they, those needs continue to grow and yeah, that can be quite overwhelming. Totally. And our mind, uh, when it's all revved up from stress, tricks us into perceiving things as more urgent or more important as than they truly are. Uh, so it's really important to learn to slow down. When people are in that acute stage of burnout, they're so revved up that they're used to go, 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 switch between things. They can't calm down. They're often really wired in the evening. Sometimes people will wake up with uh, morning anxiety. And there is that sort of latent, slow-burning anxiety all throughout the day. Mm. And it can manifest in ways that people are not used to uh, noticing. Uh, you just feel uh, like things are urgent. You're in a rush. It feels like you're overwhelmed. There's too much going on. Uh, you're moody. All that stuff uh, is associated with anxiety. And anxiety is basically you're perceiving time as going faster and you're perceiving things as, uh, you know, being too too much. So you mm. need to slow down. Because the, the thing that anxiety is telling you is there is stuff that just needs to come out. You need to process. You need to slow down. But people misinterpret their anxiety as I need to go do more. I need to rush, I need to catch up, I need to be in more places, I need to finish more things, I need to get to the end of whatever. And that's precisely the opposite of what you should be doing. So consciously slowing down is really important because we tend to get into the cycle of overstimulation, which winds us up and uh, you know, then we're just feeling unable to shut down. So even during sleep, what I hear from a lot of people they feel like they're not really sleeping, they're thinking mm. at night. So that's- That's know, where meditation would be so key because I find in my experience when I meditate prior to bed and you get into that state, there's often a lot of things that seem to be trapped in the nervous system that then come up as thoughts. And you might have had like, sometimes it's not even something that's been an experience, but it's a feeling. And I'll have like a bit of a uh, scenario play out where someone's like being like aggressive to me. And at some point I've taken on that energy and then it's coming up as a thought. And it seems as though when I meditate and feel into my body, it releases those uh, impacts or imprints on the nervous system that were creating tension. And then it contributes to a better sleep. So I wonder how much, yeah, that could be an aspect of it too. 100%. It's all about letting yourself process stuff that's happening. And unfortunately, because we've created such a fast-paced lifestyle for ourselves with this culture of urgency and immediacy uh, and informational overload, like we consume so much more information on a daily basis now like a lifetime of information that people used to consume a century ago. So just think about it. Our brain has not been designed to deal with so much. So naturally, you're not going to be able to come down and sleep because 
we physiologically have the need to be able to process all that and our nervous system will store that and you know eventually we think oh my gosh why am i feeling so terrible and down and things are hurting there's all that stuff that we've been just jumping from one day to the next without processing it just mm. needs to go through the cycle it just you know needs to come out we need to put it in its appropriate boxes and move on absolutely but we don't have the time for that unfortunately do you know what um, is a really good hack that I've found is yoga nidra, um, also called DSNR, um, deep sleep non-restorative, deep non-restorative. Sorry, let me butcher it a few times there. Deep non-sleep restoration, um, something like that from uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman. Yes, um, yes. So like he's popularized that, but it's also been an existing practice in yogic communities called Yoga Nidra. But I think he did that for the benefit of the scientific community that, like we spoke about earlier on, sometimes don't want to go with something that's not scientific. So uh, basically I found when my nervous system was tense or at any point really, you could do this 15 minute guided meditation where you'd lay down I'd have my arms overhead, which would serve the benefit of after 15 minutes, you know, they'd go numb and it would force me to wake up, causing it to be a perfect 15 minute uh, power nap. But every time I would do it, I would go into such a deep state of relaxation, kind of like if you've ever had a massage and you're on a massage table and you really go deep, that kind of level. And I'd sometimes have like involuntary jerks of like muscles, which were um, track energy kind of, releasing for me and yeah it would give me what felt like the equivalent of a three-hour nap in 15 minutes so for the time conscious individual that's quite a good way to go and i'll try and put a link in the description to wherever i put this podcast yeah that's awesome that's a great hack love it great biohack i hope you yeah. are paying attention <laughs> yeah absolutely all right, beautiful. Well, just being uh, mindful of time, it's uh, gone incredibly quickly. Very much um, enjoyed having this conversation that was uh, well due. Um, so maybe just quickly before we leave, you could um, just let me and share with the audience uh, what you're offering at the moment, like what, how you're helping people. Sure. Um, so I work with professionals, you know, people who usually are used to overworking themselves and they have certain uh, career goals um, to help them quit burnout for good. And the reason I say that is because according to research, people who burn out once tend to burn out repeatedly. So uh, I lovingly call them uh, serial burnoutees. <laughs> so there's a cycle, right, that people get into because uh, once you get to the point of burnout, you have all these habits uh, that um, lead you to stay trapped in the cycle of stress response. So your nervous system needs a reset and naturally you're not going to be able to reset it unless you change these habits and patterns and actually implement things in your life that on a day-to-day -day basis will help you release that stress. So you're going to be more energy efficient. So uh, what I mean by quitting burnout is basically helping people learn the habits of never burning out again. 
using their energy more efficiently, changing how they think about stuff, their daily routines and all that. And some of these things are pretty boring. So a lot of people will overlook them. Like, you know, the stuff we talked about having breakfast, let's say, uh, to optimize your hormonal levels or not having coffee first thing in the morning, which will jack up your adrenaline. So these are really small things that people um, probably don't think make a big impact, but uh, altogether they do. So uh, I work with people on things like microbiome, um, habits like people pleasing, uh, working out, working on their uh, circadian rhythm, uh, improving their posture, which plays a huge role in uh, blood pressure and, uh, you know, getting the blood flow to the brain, all that good stuff. Yeah, developing habits uh, that basically help people be more energy efficient and help them eliminate any fears or hangbacks they have from their burnout experience. Because a lot of folks want to do something else. You know, we talked about purpose and um, feeling like you can do more. But for a lot of people, burnout is going to hold them back from that because they feel like, oh, I just don't want to end up here again. So I also teach them how to expand their capacity. So I have a program uh, where we work on these protocols, and then we also have in-depth transformative sessions. And it's not therapy. It's completely different from therapy because we don't get into your childhood. We don't, you know, uh, get into trauma and all that. Uh, we don't have to blame the mom or the dad. Like there are certain things that we, we know they happen because of that and all we need to do is start building new habits to rewire the brain and move on without having to disturb the person or having to dig through their past and do all that because um, there are a lot of individuals out there that find themselves going to therapy for many years uh, but not really moving forward uh, so there is a balance between understanding what happened in your life and what impacted you and actually doing things, which is getting out of your head, changing your physiology, changing what you do throughout the day. And that can drive the change in your mind just as much as your mind can drive the change in your surrounding. So, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, that's such a key point that I think goes overlooked that the biology can often influence the mental cognition and psychology so much that yeah definitely gets missed so that's really key um that all sounds yeah so aligned so many things were coming up for me there that like you know like through my own um values and approaches with yoga and different things and i was just yeah seeing that your approach had a lot of holistic nature it was touching on a lot of key points that would be so beneficial for professionals so yeah well done it's a really really well constructed offer thank you thank you it was lovely chatting about this and uh, i appreciate the opportunity to actually speak to someone who's uh, really open-minded and also understands kind of the full gamut of uh, different approaches out there without being close-minded when it comes to whether it's science or you know things that are more spiritual i think we need more of that in the world as well because that is a sign of high degree of neuroplasticity. Mm. And so uh, what I encourage people to develop in the program as well is becoming more open-minded because that is literally uh, the sign that your brain can change, you can learn and you know 
you're gonna age less than other people very fascinating i guess um for me that comes from being open to the truth wherever that may come from whether it's a person that's uh, out on the street you know speaking something or it's religion or whether it's you know something that you feel resonates so quite interesting to hear the science on that yeah and yeah, totally. how can people get in touch with you Anna? so i'm on uh, instagram twitter and linkedin so you can hit me up uh, on any one of those um i love meeting new people talking to folks so yeah get in touch i'll be able to help you diagnose your burnout help you better understand your habits and uh, then if you're interested in getting help then we can talk uh, more in depth about one-on-one -on -one coaching perfect beautiful all right i'll uh leave it there and i'll just catch you after this recording okay thank you so much it was a lovely talk thank you like likewise